Good morning. Welcome to Calvary Baptist Church this morning. My name is Emily and I'm one of the ministers here on staff at Calvary. Today is an exciting day in the life of our church. Our senior pastor, Mary Alice Birdwhistle, is back with us this morning. It is a gift for her to be back with us and preaching this morning. If you are visiting with us, we welcome you to fill out this visitor's card and put it in the offering plate later on in the service. This card will give us an opportunity to get to know you better and to pray for you if you want to write your requests on there. Today we start a new series entitled Road Trip Lessons. For the next three weeks, we will follow the Israelites as they take a road trip of sorts to the Promised Land. God leads them by a roundabout way through the wilderness. It is not an easy or straightforward journey, but God remains present to the people. As we follow God, let us remember that God does not always guide us along the easiest path, but God is faithful. And God's faithful presence will guide us all along the way. Let's worship God together.
Let's bow together before God. Father of light and life and new beginnings, shine into our lives this hour with the light of your spirit. We have all come to this place by different routes of travel. We have come with hearts and minds that too often wander. Guide us through our own wanderings to arrive at home with you for the desire of our inward being is to be fully formed in your image. Bless Mary Alice in this new role, the one to which you have called her, and give us teachable spirits to listen, to learn, and to follow. Speak, Lord, that we might hear. Accept our praise of heart and mind as our act of worship this day, for you are our God. Through the matchless name of Jesus, amen.
A reading from the book of Exodus. Now when Pharaoh had let the people go, God did not lead them by the way of the Philistines. Even though it was near, for God said, the people might change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. Hence God led the people around by the way of the wilderness to the Red Sea. And the sons of Israel went up in martial array from the land of Egypt. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him. For he had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely take care of you, and you shall carry my bones where from here with you. Then they set out from Succoth and camped in Etham on the edge of the wilderness. The Lord was going, to, going before them in a pillar of cloud by day to lead them, them on the way, and a pillar of fire by night to give them light, that they might travel that they might travel by, by day and by night. He did not take away the pillar of cloud by day, nor the pillar of fire by night from before the people. The word of God. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God. little disclaimer before we share our story. Um, for those of you that don't know us, in addition to serving in ministry, uh, Blake has been a part-time magician 
for fun since he was about 11 years old. Um, he often was asked to perform in the community and in the church and school uh, that we served for various fundraising and fellowship events. So we feel like that's key to know <laughs> when we share our story. <laughs> At this altar in 2003, I joined Calvary. At this altar, I proposed to Mallory in 2010. And at the same altar in 2011, we made a commitment to God and to Calvary to love one another forever. At this altar, we dedicated our son, Maxton, to this church. And at this altar, today we bear witness to the work God is doing in our lives. After we graduated seminary, we were looking for a place we could both live out our callings together. A church in a lower-income rural community nearby began pursuing us. We knew it would not be an easy place to begin ministry, but as we interviewed with several churches, well, we were drawn to this one. Blake was soon called to serve as their senior pastor, and two weeks later, I was hired as the social worker at that local elementary. I also served part-time as the children's minister. We gave our whole hearts to this community and congregation. There were bumps and pains. There were deaths in the church, celebrations, lots of lessons learned, lots of fun, and also stress. One Wednesday night, Blake came home and told me that two deacons had pulled him aside to tell him that a couple of other deacons were organizing private meetings due to an issue they had with Blake. For young, naive ministers living in a parsonage, Conflict seemed devastating when you knew it could affect your livelihood and housing all in one big swoop. After the initial panic, ultimately the issue brought to my attention was a concern so ridiculous, we just tried to relax, even laugh a little. I planned to call a meeting that Sunday afternoon to talk it through with the deacons. Sunday arrived, the meeting commenced. Blake attempted to lower the tension in the room, but two deacons were already in fight posture. They berated Blake about how his magic was sorcery and how he was not a minister, how he preached about love too much, and the list goes on. I listened outside the door and I cried and I prayed for Blake and I prayed for our church. The thing is, these were not enemies of ours. These were men we had shared joyful times with. Within the meeting, there were deacons fighting with other deacons. Some left the room in anger, while Blake tried to remain calm and listened in shock at what he was seeing and what he was hearing. The ultimate conclusion from three longtime deacons was that we believe Blake's magic is sorcery. We want you out. According to the bylaws of this particular church, deacons had the power to make that decision without the church's input. A life interruption, an unexpected detour to our path. We did not feel a peace about fighting it for several reasons, and that just made us feel guilty all the more. We actually had a peace that our response should be to leave. But with that came the burden of letting a congregation down that did not agree with the deacon's decision. We both spiraled into a dark period, honestly, individually, together and with the church, Big C. And so our questioning began, God, how can this be? You called us to seminary, you prepared us to serve, you called us here, 
we actually love this place. How can this be? Why are you sending us on this detour? Why not help us fight? While I was hurt, I began to question my identity, my call, and I felt that I had let down true professors, mentors, and sorry, had no desire to pastor again. I carried so much shame and feelings of betrayal and failure. My way of coping was to just keep swimming like Dory and Finding Nemo. Um, and we, we moved to Waco. I found a job where I could still live out my vocation and call. During the adjustment period to Waco, we continued to explore additional detours, including a surprise pregnancy, uh, traumatic birth, uh, layoffs from both of our new jobs, which we loved. And we kept asking ourselves and God, when is life just going to get back to normal? We felt as if we were wandering aimlessly, yet still since God's presence with us, even when it felt more like God doing all the work. Today, almost three years later, we celebrate the peace that we have. Blake is discovering a new route in his ministry through hospital chaplaincy, and he starts a residency program in the fall. I'm ministering in Calvary's neighborhood at a nonprofit helping connect people to work. So how did we start finding joy after all of that pain? In fall 2014, when word spread of our situation, we started receiving emails, phone calls, and text messages from many of you expressing your prayers for us. In 2015, when we started mustering up the courage to come back to church, whenever we'd show up on the back row, <laughs> we received genuine hugs from many of you each time we showed up. We were present here the Sunday that Millie and Elijah and Andrew and a few others were dedicated to the church, and we thought, wow, these could be some of Maxton's Sunday school friends. When Maxton was born, meals showed up at our door, and while I found out later this was actually probably a normal deacon practice, <laughs> at the time it felt like each casserole and every visit was saying, was God saying, I still want to use you. Come back. So why the detour? Why the pain? And to be honest, we both don't know why. And it's taken a long time for us to be okay with that. All we do know is that God was and is with us present through his people, expressing his love in more ways than we ever thought imaginable. Thanks be to God.
all gracious God, may the words of my mouth and may the meditations of all of our hearts together in this room be pleasing to you. Lord, you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, in my last sermon at Calvary, when I preached in view of a call to become your pastor, I shared a quote from the book Big Magic, Creative Living Beyond Fear by Elizabeth Gilbert. And if you weren't here, I'm going to share that quote with us again because these words help to set the stage for where we are today and where we are going in the next few weeks. Elizabeth says that whenever fear pops up into her life, she doesn't try to ignore it or sweep it under the rug. Instead, she makes space for it. She says, I even have a welcoming speech prepared for fear, which I deliver right before embarking upon any new project or big adventure. Now, a little side note, in her speech, Elizabeth uses the word creativity when talking about her companion for this big adventure, which works for her as a writer. But as followers of God, I would like for us to replace this word creativity with the Holy Spirit. Because, friends, it is the Holy Spirit who journeys with us. The Holy Spirit is that nudge in our souls, that feeling in our chest, and that spark in our minds that invites us out of our comfort zones to explore uncharted territory. And so Elizabeth's speech, with this one change, goes like this. She says, Dearest Fear, the Holy Spirit and I are about to go on a road trip together. I understand you'll be joining us because you always do. Apparently, your job is to induce panic whenever I'm about to do anything interesting. And if I may say, you are superb at your job. But understand this. The Spirit and I are the only ones who will be making any decisions along the way. I recognize and respect that you are part of this family, and so I will never exclude you from our activities, but your suggestions will never be followed. You are allowed to have a seat, and you are allowed to have a voice, but you are not allowed to have a vote. You are not allowed to fiddle with the temperature in the car. You are not allowed to touch the radio. And above all else, you are absolutely forbidden to drive. Then she says, we head off, me and the Holy Spirit and fear, advancing on a road trip into the marvelous but terrifying terrain of unknown outcome. It isn't always comfortable or easy, she says, but it's always worth it. Because if you can't learn to travel alongside your fear, then you'll never be able to go anywhere interesting. Friends, today we are beginning a road trip of sorts, aren't we? It is the beginning of a new chapter for us at Calvary, and we are setting off on an adventure with God into the terrifying but marvelous terrain of the unknown. And as we embark on this journey, I thought it would be timely for us to spend a few weeks 
following along with the roundabout road trip that the Israelites take through the wilderness in the book of Exodus, starting in chapter 13, verse 17. Now, in the chapters leading up to this point, Moses has been going to Pharaoh, trying to convince him to free his people from slavery in Egypt. And God has sent plague after plague, but Pharaoh is stubborn, and with a hardened heart, he won't budge. Until finally, after the last plague, Pharaoh has had enough, and verse 17 begins by saying that Pharaoh has let the people go. Which is great and all, but exactly where are they supposed to go? And now they are refugees, escaping Egypt with nowhere to turn but to God. And God leads them, but not on the route they might have anticipated. Verse 17 says that God did not lead them by way of the land of the Philistines, even though that was the shortest route. Instead, God sends them by what the text calls the roundabout way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea. In his commentary, Dr. Cornelius Hootman translates the Hebrew to mean that God makes the people take a detour. I don't know about you all, when I read those words, they jumped off the page at me because they are so true to how it sometimes feels in our life with God, aren't they? Mallory and Blake could not have said that more perfectly. I mean, how many of us have felt like God has made us take a detour in our lives? I wonder how many of us feel like we're on a detour right now. Perhaps we're not on the road we had intended or expected to be traveling, and we have no idea if or when we are going to get to the destination we had hoped for. But if you think about it, life is rarely a journey of predictable paths, easily connecting us from point A to B, C, D, and E, is it? Our lives are filled with unexpected detours from the paths that we had originally intended to travel. I mean, just think about the detours that so many of us in this very room have traveled. Some of us said we would never move to Texas. And then some of us felt like we were only making a brief detour to Waco, Texas to go to school for a few years until it became our home. Some of us said we would never be a pastor. Never say never, friends. Some of us never imagined we or someone we love would get cancer. And it took our lives on a detour in the wilderness that we never would have anticipated. Or we never thought we or someone we love would struggle with depression or anxiety or mental illness. Some of us didn't think it would be such a difficult journey to have a baby. Or we never expected to have a baby at this stage in life. Or we never expected our baby to come so soon. Some of us thought we would be married by now. Or we never thought our marriage would have ended. Some of us never thought we would lose that person we love, and the journey of grief took us on a spiraling detour that we just never saw coming. Some of us never thought we would be short on money, living from paycheck to paycheck, or suddenly out of the job that we once loved. 
At one point or another, I would venture to guess that all of us have found ourselves on journeys that we never imagined we would have to travel. Journeys that feel like complete detours from what we originally had in mind. And the reality is that sometimes detours can lead to these unimagined blessings that we never would have thought possible. And then sometimes detours lead us into the wilderness where it seems as if there is no end in sight. You see, that's the thing about detours. You never quite know where you're going or where you will end up. And it can be terrifying. I can't help but think that this must be how the Israelites are feeling in today's text in their roundabout journey of following God through the wilderness, a journey that we know has only just begun at this point. I mean, we haven't even gotten to the parts about not having food or water, threats from the Egyptian army, warring tribes in the desert, worshiping golden calves, and not to mention the venomous snake bites. But did you notice what the Israelites are carrying with them? Verse 19 tells us that that Moses is carrying the bones of Joseph. And you see, if you turn back to the end of the book of Genesis, Joseph knows he is about to die, and he tells his brothers that he still believes that God will make a way for them. And so he instructs them to carry his bones with them when God finally brings them to the promised land. And in faith, that's what they do. They carry with them the legacy of those who have gone before them, this history that goes all the way back to Abraham and Sarah's willingness to venture with God into the unknown. I don't know about you all, but when I first moved to Waco, I had no idea where I was going. The roads here really make no sense, right? (laughs) There are lots of one-way streets that then become two-way streets. And then there are roads on both sides of I-35 that you would think connect, but they don't, even though they have the same name. And then there are the roads that curve and and change names, like as you're coming to Calvary, 17th, which turns into Homan, which eventually curves into Bosque, which at other times is parallel to Homan. It doesn't make any sense. I've been talking with some of you who just moved to Waco recently, and it can be overwhelming to find your way around when you first get to town. So when I first moved here, any time I needed to drive from point A to point B, I would simply plug the address into my handy-dandy GPS, and it would show me the exact way to go, which was great, right, for a while. It meant that I never got lost but it also meant that I never really knew where I was going. I was just following the calculated directions that Siri was telling me to take. And I distinctly remember the first time I tried to go to Central Texas Marketplace. And I just kept going on circles on those bridges on I-35 and Highway 6. And Siri just kept saying, recalculating, recalculating, recalculating. And I don't think Siri knew where she was going either. Um, Or maybe my GPS just wasn't updated for the newer roads. I must have driven past that shopping center five or six times that day. And finally, I became so frustrated that I just gave up and went home. 
I was crying because I was embarrassed for not being able to do something that should be so simple. And then I was worried that I would never be able to find my way around this foreign land called Waco. I remember telling Gail Lentz about my adventure at church the next day, and she said, oh dear, you've really got to know the back roads to get into Central Texas Marketplace. And if you think about it, she was right. And so that day, I began to turn my GPS off as I was driving. And it wasn't until I was willing to get lost that I finally began to learn my way around. I wonder if it's only when we allow ourselves to get lost that we can truly begin to find our way. If it's only when we admit that we are lost that we truly begin to trust in God to lead our daily steps. In her book, An Altar in This World, Barbara Brown Taylor says, God does some of God's best work with people who are truly, seriously lost. For instance, the Bible gives no reason for God's choice of Abraham and Sarah except their willingness to get lost. They were not young. They were not spiritual giants. All they really had going for them was their willingness to set off on a divinely inspired trip without a map, equipped with nothing but God's promise to be with them. And here we are in today's text, several generations later, and this seems to be what the Israelites have going for them too, isn't it? It's as if God asks them, are you willing to trust me even on what seems to be a detour, even on the long roundabout road, even on the path that you never expected to travel? But notice also that God isn't sending them on a wild goose chase. God hasn't blindfolded the Israelites and forced them to play a mean game of Marco Polo to find their way. Instead, God gives them a pillar of clouds to guide them by day and a pillar of fire to guide them by night. You see, even on the detours, our God promises to be with us to go before us, to make a way for us, even when there seems to be no way. Now, sometimes we'd like for God to go way, way before us, to let us know well in advance where we're going and how we're getting there. We would love for God to be our divine GPS, wouldn't we? Giving us perfectly calculated, detailed instructions for each point of the journey. But in my experience, God rarely does that. Instead, much like that pillar guiding the Israelites, God gives us just enough for this day and leads us one day, sometimes even one step at a time. This summer, Brian McLaren spoke at the 25th anniversary celebration of the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship. And he talked about where we had been the past 25 years and challenged us to dream about where we're going in the next 25 years. And what he kept returning to is this phrase. He said, there's a road leading from the past to the present, but not from the present to the future. We make the road by walking. That's what the Israelites did on their roundabout way through the wilderness. 
That's what you and I do in the various detours of our lives. And friends, that's what we begin doing together at Calvary today. We make the road by walking. There's an exciting buzz around Calvary these days, an eagerness to follow with the winds of the Spirit wherever they might leave. And in the midst of this, we have a lot in common with these Israelites because there is no carefully calculated roadmap for where we are going, and there are definitely no shortcuts. Just because it worked for another church doesn't mean it will work for Calvary, right? We have our own unique way to find. But friends, our good God journeys with us, and our job is to follow God together by day and by night as we make the road by walking. And I am so excited to do that with you. I'm excited to begin working with our various ministry and mission teams as we discern how we as a church might know and love our neighbors at 18th and Bosque and in the greater Waco community and around the world. I'm excited to see how we can cultivate stronger relationships in our neighborhood, particularly with our friends at Greater New Light right across the street. I'm excited to begin to reimagine what life groups might look like in ways that extend hospitality and cultivate vulnerability. I'm excited to renew our Sunday school gathering times in ways that allow for engaging conversation and rich Bible study and spiritual growth. I'm excited to dream about all of this and so much more with you, to take risks with you, to get lost with you so that God might help us to find our way. And yes, there will be plenty of detours and there will be hard days, but I hope that they might somehow lead us toward these unimagined graces that we never would have experienced otherwise. Starbucks did a survey recently about um, road trips and they interviewed their customers stopping by to get a drink. And they asked them to name what was the most essential part of a road trip. And if I were to ask you all that, just blurt them out. What are, what are the most essential parts of a road trip to you? <laughs> Good music. Okay. I heard snacks, food, directions. Spare tire, that's good. A car, a car is a very, <laughs> that may be the winner. A car is a very essential part of a road trip. <laughs> oh. so, so here's what, what their customers said. 9% said coffee, which may be skewed slightly by the fact that the survey was taken at Starbucks. 11% said good road trip snacks are a must. 15% said beautiful scenery was important. 21% said good music is the biggest necessity. But the top answer, <laughs> someone's not a fan of that one. <laughs> the top answer was that the most important part of a road trip is the people who were in the car with you. And you know, I would have to agree, there is something about being together on the wide open road that bonds you. The longer the trip, the deeper the conversation becomes. The more deeply we laugh together, the more real we become with one another. 
And sometimes out on the road, we can simply be together without feeling like we need to say anything at all. Friends, I want to invite you to look around the room this morning. Take a minute, look around this room. These are the people who are in the car with us. These are the people who are traveling down the wide open road with us, and of course some more people who aren't here today. I thank God for this community of people we call the family of God for us in this place. And I want to ask each and every one of us to do the same. Thank God for the people who have been such a significant part of your journey and our journey together. If there's someone that you don't know well, make an effort to get to know them better in the coming days. If there's someone you don't recognize today, meet them after worship and introduce yourself. Because the reality is that if we are going to get moving, we need each other. We will need everyone engaged, buckled in, and ready to follow the winds of the Spirit together by day and by night. You know, even Jesus allowed himself to travel on this roundabout way of the wilderness. Right after his baptism, at the very beginning of his own ministry, In fact, Matthew's gospel tells us that it was the Spirit who actually led Jesus into the wilderness. And you and I follow that same Spirit today as we venture with God into uncharted territory, trusting God to lead us each step of the way. And so in the way of Abraham and Sarah, in the way of the Israelites, in the way of Jesus, and in our own unique way as Calvary, May we begin to make the road by walking as we follow God together in this place, because it's going to be a wild and beautiful ride. And now, God, we come to you today, perhaps in the midst of our own detours. God, we come to you today realizing how lost we are without you and that no GPS can guide us in the ways that you can. God, giving us, give us a willingness to trust with the Spirit. Give us a willingness to take risks, even if we don't know where they might lead or where they will go. More than anything, give us the discernment to follow you together by day and by night. God, we thank you for the community around us in this room, the family of God in this place. We are grateful for the unexpected blessings that pop up in each and every one of us. And we are grateful to be on this journey and walking this road together. We ask these things in your name and for the sake of your kingdom. Amen. Well, maybe you are here today and you've heard us talk about this road trip or this journey with God, but you've never started walking down the road with Jesus yourself. And if today you want to begin that journey of trusting Jesus and you want to spend your life learning what it looks like to follow him, we would love to visit with you in the back of the sanctuary. Or maybe you're ready to get in the car with us at Calvary 
If you would like to join this community of faith where we seek to know and to follow Jesus together, we would love to visit with you about that too. Or maybe this morning you're here and you just feel like you're on a detour and you're struggling to trust God in the midst of it. We would love to visit with you and to pray with you. So however God leads you to respond, our ministers will be in the back ready to receive you as we continue in worship. Thank you. 
The disciples were walking together down a road to Emmaus the day that they heard the news about Jesus. Some women had seen an angel who told them that Jesus was alive, but men had gone back to look at the tomb for Jesus and he wasn't there. They really weren't sure what to believe. As they made their way down the road that day, Jesus actually came near to them and began to walk with them, but they didn't recognize him. When they arrived in Emmaus, something within the disciples caused them to pause and to invite this man to stay with him the night. So, they, so he went with them. He sat down at the table with them. Taking the bread, he blessed and broke it and gave it to them. At that moment, they recognized him. Then he vanished from their sight. Immediately, they ran to Jerusalem to find the others and to share what had happened on the road and how Jesus had been made known to them in the breaking of bread. Friends, whatever road we find ourselves walking today, know that Jesus meets us there. He comes and walks alongside us. And Jesus meets us here at this table in the bread and the cup that we share with one another. So come, children of God, wherever you are on this journey of following Christ, you are welcome here, here in this place, here in this community, and here at this table. Come, children of God, and remember with us. Remember the stories that Jesus' friends tell. Stories of bread broken and shared, feeding a multitude. Stories of being gathered together, enemy and friends around the tables. Stories of unlikely guests revealing the face of God. So today we come to this table, remembering again how the Lord Jesus, when he was betrayed, took a loaf of bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, take and eat. This is my body for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Friends, come and receive grace for the journey. You are invited to come to the table. Calvary, I would like to introduce you to someone. This is Bobby Martinez, and he comes today to join Calvary. He comes by statement of faith and prior believer's baptism. He has been visiting with us for the last few weeks, and you may recognize him from leading in music just today. And he is starting his first year at Truett this coming fall. When I asked him what one thing makes his heart sing, he said, being around people. Calvary is a great place to come around people, and we are so glad that you are here. And Bobby, Calvary has a few words to share with you this morning. In response to your decision, we pledge ourselves to be the family of God for you in this place. We offer you our love, our care, our kinship, and our hopes. We hope to learn from you, give to you, and receive from you.
Bobby, we are excited you're here, and I hope you will take a chance to greet Bobby after worship today. I just want to tell you all how good it is to be back with you today, and I want to extend a huge thank you to the staff and the lay leaders who served in my absence while I had some sabbatical and vacation time, especially a big thanks to Phil Sitton for leading us so well, and Ed Davis and the deacons for your pastoral care and the congregation. I hope you all read in the tower some of how I spent my sabbatical, and I'm excited to share more of that with you and to hear about how your summer has been, too. And I also just want to thank you for making my first week as pastor so special. Um, when I walked into my office on Monday morning, there was a box of cards from the entire congregation, and I just can't tell you how much your words mean to me. So thank you. I am so grateful to be walking this road with you, and I look forward to where God is leading us in the days ahead. We are, are glad also that our Lebanon team is back. They got back last Sunday, Tim, Nathan, Elijah, Lindsay, and Jasmine, and we look forward to hearing about all of your adventures in the days ahead. And we are also looking forward to a great cookout later today at the Redwood Shelter at Cameron Park at 6 p.m. If you haven't been there, the Redwood Shelter is right past the Herring Street Bridge along the edge of the Brazos. You could plug it into your GPS. We'll see if you get there, but I, I bet you can make it. Jonathan Grant started smoking about 100 pounds of meat last night at midnight. <laughs> um, you are welcome to come early. They said if you want to come around 5, you're, you can. We have the shelter reserved all afternoon. You're welcome to bring a lawn chair or maybe some games for outside. If anyone has cornhole or ladder ball, that would be awesome. Um, I also hear there might be some live music, which will be fun. Especially wanted to say, if you are new to Calvary, we would love for you to be our guest tonight. So please come and join us anytime after 5, and we will we'll start dinner at 6 o'clock. There will be plenty of food, and we would love the chance to share a meal with you and to get to know you better. Well, please stand and receive these words of benediction. Friends, may the God who calls you from this place journey with you as you go. May God delight in you with joy, bringing unimagined graces. Walk with you in darkness, shining light along your way. May God be close to you in pain, giving strength for every moment, and comfort you in fear, granting courage to be brave. May God's love surround you. May Christ's mercy astound you, and may the Spirit abound in you so that you live in the fullness of the God who is with you always. Amen.